they walked in the studio. He said it before, but I'm telling you how impactful it was. He walked in the studio, and he was like, yo, this dude, 50, y'all going to have to deal with him in the next couple months. He said it to the whole crew. You got to deal with him. Yeah. It was one time me and Bleak was in the studio, and I heard a 50 record, and I looked at Bleak. This dude said, I know you don't love me, because mm-hmm. you ain't the same when Jay-Z's around. Yeah. I said, Bleak, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. How do we not say that? <laughs> Jay acknowledged it early. He was like, y'all going to have to deal with this dude. He's coming. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and The Crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Presented by IV Creative, it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have none other than my boy in the place to be, J.O., here to break it down with me once again. Jay, thanks for joining me here on The Vault. We got a great one to break down, but before we get into that, I want to give our thanks to all the listeners out there, stateside and worldwide, for continuing to support the show. Guys, we can't thank you enough for continuing to get the word out there. We got a lot of great things coming up, and this is the first album review for this year. So we want to make sure that we got a lot of things lined up here for y'all for 2003, 1998, and 93. It's going to be a lot of historic albums we're going to be breaking down. So make sure you continue to spread the word. And of course, a reminder, go to our website, vaultclassicpod.com. Once again, that's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there, check out all the episodes. Also leave a review, leave a voice note. You can get to our Buy Me A Coffee page right there. Click on the coffee cup shaded in yellow on the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. And there, you can click on that, get to there to send us a monetary donation to make sure that we can continue to keep the vault open for many years to come. And of course, to show your appreciation as well, as we appreciate all of you. Again, that's vaultclassicpod.com. You get there as well. You can get to all of our social media sites. Make sure you're clicking on the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter buttons to make sure that you're following us. And we'll definitely make sure to give you guys a follow back and make sure to drop a line once you're there just to say hi and let us know what you think about the show. Once again, vaultclassicpod.com. As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or NBTC. And today, Jay, our first review for 2023, and we're starting off from an album from 2003. So we're going to go back 20 years ago today, and it's exactly today when we're looking at it. (laughs) You're looking at the time that this is being released 20 years ago today, and I'm glad that I have you on here for this album, sort of like the same way that I've had you on for so many of our reviews, but the perspective, I think, that we provide on this being unique at the time of life that we were having. Just like when we talked about the Sean Paul Dutty Rock album, I feel like this is another album that defined our times and where we were when we were in college. So we're going back 20 years ago, exactly today, February 6, 2003, to the debut studio album of none other than 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, released on Interscope Records, Shady Aftermath Entertainment, and also 50 Cent's G-Unit Records. The runtime on this, 53 minutes, 44 seconds. The producers on this, executive produced by none other than Dr. Dre, and also executive produced by his mentor, Eminem. The associate producers on this who provided some of the best production on an album that we had heard in some time, Shaw Money XL, 
Sean Blaze, Darrell Branch, Dirty Swift, DJ Rad, Terrence Dudley, Mike Elizondo, Megahertz, Mr. Porter, Red Spider, Rottweiler, Reef, Jay Praise. So many different other producers on this that provided beats on this album. And the singles from Get Rich or Die Trying, Jay. The first one was kind of a pre-single, was Wankster, which showed up on the 8 Mile soundtrack to kind of let us know the 50 was coming mm -hmm. and was the first thing that we had heard from him in quite some time. But the first single, the biggest single, one of the biggest singles you talk about, not just of that year, but probably of that decade, probably of this century of In the Club, released Never. in January of 2003. The second one, 21 Questions, released in March of 2003. Many Men, released in May 2003. PIMP, released in August 2003. And If I Can't, released in September of 2003. You were going to say something, Jay, when I was mentioning it in the club. Oh, I was just saying, I was, I'm thinking that's probably one of the biggest joints ever. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll get to that particular song and oh, when sure. I first heard it. You are right. It definitely is one of the biggest singles released. It was a smash hit. And like we like to say, Jay, on the internet, like y'all wasn't outside. Like truly, <laughs> a lot of y'all was not outside when this joint dropped. You had to really be outside to understand how big that song in particular it was. But this album altogether was just something that was absolutely huge. And we'll get to that. In just a second. But to go further into the background, Jay, of 50 Set. Now, 50 was a rapper, came up in Queens, had been discovered and sort of co-signed by Jam Master Jay. He was signed to Jam Master Jay at first. Also secured a label deal with Columbia Records and was scheduled to come out with his debut album, The Power of the Dollar, in 2000. We all know what happened then. 50 was shot nine times in front of his grandmother's house in Queens. And he survived the shooting but afterwards was dropped from his label and they canceled the release of Power of the Dollar. Well, for a period of about two years, he was ostracized from the hip hop industry. People didn't want to touch him. He sort of was like, I want to say as a leper. And then finally, he started releasing mixtapes when he got back on his feet and he started to generate a buzz. And then it was a bidding war to be able to sign 50 because everybody knew the potential he had beforehand. And then 02, Eminem listened to Guess Who's Back, his mixtape, and then what happened is that they signed him. They signed him through Shady Aftermath and it allowed him, of course, the ability to start his own record label, G-Unit Records. And he signed that $1 million deal and then got the next mixtape out, No Mercy, No Fear. They put out Wankster and then Get Rich or Die Trying was scheduled to come out. And then after that, as they say, the rest is nothing but history. So <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man, that this is the way that it transpired, that those sequence of events that led from him getting shot to being dropped to being where he is now is ridiculously crazy to me, man. You know, as we always like to say, we want to review things how they are. And so now we're going to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. So I'm going to go to you, Jay. 50s, get rich or die trying. As we mentioned, you know, we were at Morgan during that time. This spring 2003 semester started with this right there at the top of everything that was happening. And I want to get your perspective on what you thought about the album when you first heard it in full. And then just give us a little bit of perspective of how you think that sort of transpired throughout the rest of that year and how that led to 50 and his success that he saw throughout the rest of the decade. Yeah, for sure. So like, of course, going back to that time, you know, February, 2003, like it's about what I'm saying. It's in the Morgan state, but even then, like, going back to what you were saying as far as like that bubble up to give it your die trying like 
I remember like the impact of that comeback 50 Cent made like as far as like, you know, Wankster coming out and him hitting all the spots. As a matter of fact, he did come to Morgan. Yeah. Go to, mm. I, think, I don't know if he was a homecoming performer. Or it was just like a performance in Baltimore where like, you know, Morgan was deep out that joint. Yeah, yeah, I um, remember that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because I remember it was like with the old brothers, the co factory was, it was like posts up there, like 50 Cent, 50 Cent coming and all this other stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. 50 ain't playing. Like, yeah. And then I thought about, like, you know what I'm saying? Even on the 2002 rapper by Skills, he was like, 50 came back like a motherfucker. I'm like, yeah, he did. Like, there's no denying that. Absolutely. But then give Richard Die Try drops and then just out the gate, it just, it just hit. It's not like it took time for it to hit. It just like, from the time the drink starts to the first song comes on, like, you know what I'm saying? It just hit. And then it just was able to keep up that momentum, which I think is something that's kind of missing from some albums these days. Like, yeah. they, it's like they understood the hype back then to make sure, like, they hit that consumer, like, just repeatedly with those slaps. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I hate to say it like this because, I mean, it is incorporated to it from then up until then, you know, as well as I do. It was like Ja Rule, and then it was like Ja Who? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was like no more talk about him except you know what I'm saying when Fifty was dissing him. But then like aside from that, like it was still diverse in the way it was like joints for everybody. It was like street joints, club joints, joints for the ladies. You know what I'm saying? Like twenty one questions. Yeah. So he still was able to keep it versatile, even though you know what I'm saying it was like with all that hype, kind of pressure on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he lived up to it. Mm. Of course, like going into '03 and then '04, like you know, like the ground was kind of laid for like G Unit to come out with their stuff. Yeah. Of course, like the G Unit album and everything they produced with them, and then. Yeah, you know what I'm saying for better for worse like you know game like not saying game didn't smash but of course like it was beef between him and 50 later on yeah it really like laid the groundwork for G-Unit Records and all like that yeah fast forward to now like still holds up it's just that it took me back to that time I just can't help but think about that time period yeah you know what I'm saying because like it, <laughs> yes sir like, you know what I mean like we weren't kids anymore of course but at the same time we weren't whole grown adults either so we really got to like enjoy it in that space you know what I mean yeah yeah, man. Yeah, man. We were young, wild, and free. Um, mm-hmm. That really was no the bills. way. No <laughs> bills. That's the way that I really could explain that time. So it's interesting, man, that you mentioned that. And I'll touch on a couple of those points that you mentioned because it just reinforces to me that we're thinking the right thing as far as when it comes to our perspective on this album. This album comes out right when the spring 2003 semester is getting ready to start. And you're starting to get the buzz from it. And it's getting the buzz that is rarely felt when you talk about a debut album from somebody like I can only probably say the debut from this was probably as widely anticipated than maybe only a handful of people all time. Right. So I'm thinking Snoop. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking Nas. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. Biggie. You can search for a few other like hype debuts during that time. NWA, a few other acts that you could think throughout time that the debut album was definitely hyped and it lived up and surpassed the hype. This was definitely it. Now, just a little bit of perspective as we talked about me and Jay were at Morgan. So this album drops right before, for those of y'all who remember, that blizzard of 2003 that was absolutely catastrophic where Mm. it felt like there was snow on the ground and things were shut down for, I want to say at least, it felt like a couple of weeks, you know? It Mm. felt like a couple of weeks. But I always associate this album with a few things, and I'll put it in these orders. One, it's that blizzard of 03. Like a few days after this, my cousin passed away. And this was right before my pledge process start when I pledged National Society of Persian Rifles. And I associate this album in particular with those things because that's what dominated that semester to me. But before I got to even all that, I turned 21 in January of that year. So I was able to actually not just go to the club, but I was able to go to the club and actually consume alcohol while I was so in the true. club. 
Like, well, I would consume alcohol, but it would either be through getting a drink pass, but I was able to legally do it and I have to hide it because I was actually 21 years old. I was in the club when I first heard in the club and it was such a big hit when we heard it that night, the DJ ran it back like three or four times off the break. Like let that first verse run. Then he was like, hold up, pull up, spin the records real quick. We need to run that back. And he ran it back. And each time he played it, it was like the hype grew even more. It was an incredible experience. That song became, like you said, one of the biggest joints, not just of that year, but then also that decade. And really historically, it really is an historically big single. I mean, a single that now, 20 years later, is still a single that gets a reaction out of people. You know, some people are sort of sick of listening to it, but Mm -hmm. without a doubt, this joint really kind of made the album because it kind of grabbed everybody's attention and you got everything else that came with the album as a result of that. That's what was big. The album singles were big, right? We talk about the in the clubs and the wanksters and the many men, but the album tracks became iconic as well. I mean, when you get into an album so deep and then people are able to dig into it, right? It's just beyond the 21 questions and the joints that are big and have the commercial appeal. When you dig into an album and the album tracks become iconic, you got a winner on your hand. That really was what started the journey to make 50 a huge stars in the 2000s. This album and this album at the time that it came out, sold the most units in its debut week more than any other hip hop album in history. Yes, even bigger than Doggy Style, which is saying something of how big that album was. That's another album we'll cover later on this year. So it successfully, as you mentioned, it stopped the freight train of commercial success that had become Ja Rule, Irv Gotti, and Murder, Inc., who starting, I want to say, from the time we were, when I first got into Morgan in 2000, up until that summer and fall of 02, had consistent string of hits who was either Ja Rule or affiliated with Murder, Inc., It was like they had commercial hit after commercial hit after commercial hit. That success was almost seeming like it was nonstop. No one else in the industry seemed to be able to break through that to say, like, you know what? We're going to put a stop to all this. Not even Jay. Not even Jay. Because Ja Rule still ate while Jay was still out doing his thing. Without a doubt. But it stopped. It was a blow that they never truly recovered from afterwards. Now, we see now Ja Rule still performing now. He actually has a tour he's getting ready to go on with with uh, Rick Ross and a few other people because it's called the 2000s tour. And they still have joints that hit and are still popular with people. But when 50 came through the door and basically, I want to say for lack of a better word, ethered murder, (laughs) Inc. It was, you know, it was over because at that point in time, it was a blow that brought them down a couple of pegs. Cause it was like, dude, nah, bro. Like we're not looking at you the same no more. (laughs) So, that also began the soundtrack to what would be the rest of the spring of 2003 into the summer of 2003 into that fall. And that began a period where from that fall of 03 all the way into, I want to say, the middle part of 05, where it began almost a three-year period of G-Unit's dominance. We mm-hmm. talk about afterwards what came after, out after Get Rich or Die Trying, Beg for Mercy, Hunger for More with Lloyd Banks, Straight out of Cashville with Young Buck. And then the documentary by The Game, and then The Massacre, 52nd album. So 
Things were just lining up. They were in a period where they could not miss. And 50 was absolutely huge. This album laid the groundwork for that. And it's something that when we go back to look and see how Dre and Eminem played this, right? They picked up a dude. They knew he was hot, right? They kept their eye on them throughout the time when people kind of ostracized them. And they jumped on it and they realized, yo, let's spend the million bucks to go ahead and sign this dude. What he's going to make back for us if we play this right is going to pay off in spades. And that's exactly what it did. This was a deal. It was an investment. investment. That was a return on an investment. (laughs) That was something that Dre ended up getting paid off handsomely for. M ended up getting paid off for. And then 50, look at the empire he built off of that, man. I mean, off of this album, everything. You're not talking about him owning a piece of vitamin water. You don't see of him all the movies, the powers, all the power universe, all the other things he's involved with business-wise and the, the cognacs that he has, Branson. You don't get any of that. Effing, you don't get any of that without this album blowing up and being as big as it is. An album that almost went diamond, certified diamond, which is ridiculous. Ridiculously crazy when you think about the hip hop albums that have been certified that since even we started about since the beginnings of the 2000s. So just all just massively, massively big for everybody who got involved and Eminem and 50 and Dre, they all got in this together and man, did it pay off for every single one of them. All of them came out of this after this much, much more rosy highlights and lowlights. So Jay, we'll get into your highlights and lowlights to get Richard die trying. What do you have for us? Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't even say the intro was a highlight, you know what I'm saying, with him, like, kirking off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it just goes right into What Up Gangster. Yeah. I really can go down a list, but <laughs> <laughs> honestly, um, yeah. of course, Mini Men, 21 Questions, Back Down, PIMP. I don't know if I say In the Club already. And people, people got to realize In the Club, I don't want to say it was almost a miss. But I don't think we covered this, but, like, you know what I'm saying, that joint was originally meant for D12. Yeah. So exactly. that joint, I mean, if that joint would have went to D12, I don't think it would have charted Mm-mm. as high as, like, you know, in the club with 50. So luckily, Mm-mm. you know what I'm saying, it landed in the right hands. Yeah. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah, poor little Rich. Yeah, I'm going to add it to my highlights. Okay, Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll just stop right there, so... Yeah, everything. No, I understand that. You got any lowlights in particular? Uh, not so much lowlights as far as music, but mm-hmm. I wish Magic Stick would have been on here. But oh. I know it was drama behind the scenes with that. Oh, okay, with the whole thing with uh with Lil Kim. Kim. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and, that ended up on La Bella Mafia instead. Right. Yeah. And crazy. Because yeah, I remember the interview he was talking about how it was supposed to be on there, but they wasn't really offering no money for it. So mm, like, right. that's how I played out. Yeah, and that um, that that joint became a hit more partially because of him, man. You know, right. I mean, it was big because of Kim, but it became big because of Fifty, though. So yeah, and it's another thing as far as like a song. I wish it would been on the album, which kind of would add to the Fifty Cent's Petty. Mm-hmm. Like if I smell pussy was on here. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, mean, I know buddy. Black Dan was already on there dissing Ja Rule, Murder, Inc. and all that, but like to, again, just to add, like, because we know how petty 50 could be as far as like, oh, you know, yeah. in the beefs and stuff like that. So he's a king of petty when it comes yeah. to it. I feel like he is the, <laughs> he is the clown prince of petty when it comes to hip hop shit. Like, he definitely is. His petty knows no bounds. He'll be petty None. about anything. Like, he doesn't, he gives no fucks about that. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have anything I really consider a low light. I mean, some drinks I might listen to more than others, but I wouldn't consider them low lights as far as the actual songs that made the album. Yeah, true. Okay. Well, so my highlights. I mean, obviously, all the singles have, you know, definitely value proposition to them. In the club, where we talked about how big that was. And like you said, if D12 comes out within the club, that does not hit at all. Because, you know, it's, it's D12, man. I mean, no disrespect or anything, but that's not going to hit like the way it did with 50. In the club was all the elements coming together. It wasn't just the song, the hook, the bars, the beat, and then the video that helped to add to the popularization of the song itself, man. 21 Questions was big. And again, these videos played a big part in this, too. Because everybody remembers the 21 Questions video, because that was the, one, the joint when I'm going to say... We really got a chance to see adult Megan Good. You know what I'm right. saying? It was like word. You know what I'm saying? Then she came out with Biker Boys and a few other things. And it was like, all right, cool. Many Men. I mean, Many Men was actually my pledge song, spring of 2003. This would help oh, me get hyped up for set. You know what I'm saying? To help me get me motivated to be able to think about stuff. And Many Men became a song that is like, you talk about a song that has grown a mythology beyond the album. Many Men has become an anthem for a lot of people. You know, I'll remember... The Commanders, Washington Commanders, former Redskins, when Brian Robinson, the running back who got shot while he was in Northeast D.C., by those two kids trying to take his car, when he came out and was announced in the starting lineup, when he came back finally from his rehab, the song they played when he came out of the tunnel, there was the instrumental of many men. (laughs) And it was iconic. It was like, this is perfect, right? 20-something years afterwards, this is perfect. But many men is something that, man, yeah, like I said, has grown into a huge, like almost as big as I want to say is those two singles right there. P.I.M.P., I mean, that was a huge song, man. It was a crossover, like appeal. All these singles had crossover appeal. But P.I.M.P., then you had the remix with Snoop Dogg and then Lloyd and every, like it, it just worked. You know, if I can't, I mean, I don't really remember that actually being a single, but I mean, if it was a single, but I mean, it st- still was a, a yeah, dope, either. Yeah, a dope track. But getting to the album tracks, I mean, to start the album with What Up Gangster. <laughs> probably one of the best songs to open up an album like that I had heard in some time. And even now to this day to figure out to drop a song like that, to open up the album, my gosh, like hit, talk about hitting hard and swinging out of the gate. But like, even you want to talk about, I would say the track listing, right? You start from what up gangster, then going to patiently waiting. Then from patiently waiting, you get into many men. Then from many men, you go to in the club. Like, it just continued to hit and hit and hit and hit. Mm-hmm. Whoever did the sequencing on this album, bravo to you. Well sequenced. Like, way to stack those tracks back to back. Probably one of my favorite, the second favorite tracks on here is probably Heat. Because that Drake production, bruh. <laughs> Using that cocking back of the gun and the shot for the kick and the snare. Brilliant. Right. I mean, that's Dre right there, man. That's like, who would think about doing something like that? Like, using that cocking back of the gun and a shot of the kick and the snare. Like, bro, it's a kish. And 50, I thought, spit some of his hardest bars on that as well. Facts. Um, back down. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about going after somebody's neck? Yeah, that's 50 coming after Ja's neck directly. Not even trying to hide it. Even saying in the second verse, like, you know what I'm saying? That's Ja's old pussy ass. Like, wow, dog. <laughs> I mean, the whole album really, I felt like, was a lot of subtle digs at Ja, but then he also came out 
off the break and let you know who the hell he was talking about. Gotta make it to heaven. Um, that beat right there just kind of really felt like to me was like movie like quality shit, like you know, action movie sequence scene where you talk about some of the cinematic themes, like you talk about many men with sort of cinematic in nature, patiently waiting, cinematic in nature, those same type of themes. Then to close the album out really with that run of track with Like Me and Life is on the Line. A really hard way to close out the album. Really strong way to close out the album. Overall, man, this album was well sequenced. The album tracks on here backed up the singles. It didn't bore you or turn you away. Other tracks that I really didn't necessarily mention. I mean, even the high all the time, which to me, I think is funny because 50 made that song and he doesn't drink or smoke. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, (laughs) what the hell was he talking about? He's high all the time. Like he was talking about smoking good shit. And it was just like, hold on. Years later, you figure out, man, 50 don't drink and he don't smoke. And so when the interview later on, he said it was mostly because of secondhand smoke because being around his homies. I was just like, "Uh, 50, you got us, dog. You really convinced (laughs) us. You really did convince us for real. I mean, if I can't, I thought was a good song. If I did have any low lights, it's not necessarily a low light, but I think it's something that I thought I could have done without. The Like My Style with Tony Yayo. Like, first of all, I've never really been a big fan of Tony Yayo. I think. Okay, so I ain't got to say it bad. Yeah, nah. <laughs> it's, I've never been a big fan. Of, like, when he got out and he released his album, like, in 05, and he came out with the, you know, the single So Seductive or whatever the hell they called it. I don't know what they call it, but it was oh, like, yo. Was it. Yo, that it was, was like, it. yo. Y'all hyping this dude. Like, I'm not. <laughs> he like the weakest dude in the G unit. Like. <laughs> Out of everybody, I'm, I'm you know, like a straight face looking like, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was never really a big fan of Tony Yayo, and that song I could do without it. Um, shout out to Rottweiler, but yeah, man, production on this joint though, between Dre, between Eminem, Elizondo, Digger Branch, Shaw Money XL, Mr. Porter. I mean, they they did their thing on this, man. This megahertz, they laced this album with tracks that whether it kept you dancing, made you nod your head, made you want to, you know, go hard or go stick something up or something. It fit the motif of every single track that was on there. And I got to give the credit, not just to 50, but then also to M and Dre being executive producers. You talk about the direction the album needs to go. That's what executive producers do. They craft the album in the direction to make it go into the best direction possible. Notable quotables. So we get into Notable Quotables, Jay. What do you have for your Notable Quotable for this album? I was going to say like, probably that whole second verse of Back Down. Okay, yeah. Okay. But I'll, I'll, try to, <laughs> I'll try to keep it as short as I can, right? Okay. But, um, the rap game's all fucked up now. What we going to do now? How we going to eat, man? 50 back around. This jolly little punk ass sinking out loud. South side, till I die. It's just how I get down. I back in the game, shorty, to rule and conquer. You sink for hoes and sound like the cookie monster. Dude, I was rolling when I first heard yeah. that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and of course, he was like, I'm the hardest from New York. My flow is bonkers. All the other hard niggas, they come from Yonkers. Yeah. It's years and you had the same yeah. niggas in the background. You're never going to sell Mitsubishi to a crack child. Yeah. The niggas dead. They sucked it to no good. I ain't never heard a nigga say it like them in the hood. I'm like, damn. Yeah. You could just first, like, you know what I'm saying? Like a snippet of something. It would still yeah. be as impactful. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And then this one kind of made me like a spit take when I first heard it on Poor Little Rich. Okay. Yeah. It's not even like a dissonant like that. When he was New York niggas copy niggas like it's all good. Fuck around the crib walk in the wrong hood. I'm fresh about the slammer. I ain't no fucking bammer. I'm from the NY world, but we know country. I already said I ain't no fucking bammer. Like, yeah. It's like the record skill, like what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That caught my ear when I first heard it too back then. I was like, he just used the word Bama, but then there's like I always gotta remember that. Bama was he was just outside of DC. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody right. used to use the word Bama to talk about somebody who was a country bumpkin. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, true. And it was a my vagina I just got a point I was on heat. Mm-hmm. 
Look, nigga, don't think you're safe just because you moved out the hood because your mama's still around, dog. That ain't good. If you were mm-hmm. smart, you'd be shook at me because I get tired of looking for you. Spray your mama crib and let your you ass look for me. Look for me, like, yeah, exactly. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, shit like that, for real? <laughs> I never thought to say something like that. Hey, but look, man, but look, it'd be, it'd be like that. Dudes are fuck around and move out the hood. Their mamas and grandmamas still there, and then all of a sudden, the dudes want to get them. It's like, spray your mama crib up and make you have to come look for me. Yeah, niggas don't wow. think about stuff like that. They don't, man. Yeah. But your whole family part of there. Yeah, I fucking, I fucking love Heat, dog. <laughs> I think Heat might actually be my favorite joint on this album, bro. Yeah. You got any other ones or that's it? No, nah, I'm, I'm good there. True. I'm stop right there. So I got a couple of ones from Patiently Waiting, right? And it's both ah. 50s verse and Eminem's verse. So 50s verse, of course, you know, I'm in it sitting in my head like a baby born dead, destination heaven, sitting politic with passages from 9-11, the Lord's blessings to be lyrically inclined, shit I ain't even got to try to shine, God's the seamstress, this healer fitted my pain, I got scriptures in my brain, I can spit at your dame, straight out the good book, look, niggas is shook, 50 fear, no man, warrior, swinging swords like Conan, picture me, pen and hand, writing lines, knowing the source to quote it, when I die, they'll read this and say a genius wrote it, I grew up without my pop, should that make me bitter i call cases i copped out does that make me a quitter in this white man's world i'm similar to a squirrel looking for a slut with a nice butt to get a nut if i got shot today my phone has stopped ringing again these industry niggas ain't friends they know how to pretend <laughs> mm, wow i mean that and then goes from there and then it only gets better just by the fact that m gets on there the fact that he starts it off because if you're patiently waiting to make it through all the hate and debate and whether or not that you could weather the storm unless you lay on the table to operate and to save you it's like an angel came from the scent from the heavens above they think they crazy but they ain't crazy let's face the shit basically they're just playing sick they ain't shit they ain't saying shit spraying 50 a to the k and in the way i bring dre and them with me and turn this day into fucking mayhem you staying with me don't let me lose Lee. I'm not trying to confuse you and not get loose of this Uzi and just shoot through you or Zuzu. You get the message that I'm getting through too. You know what's coming. Just motherfuckers don't even know, do you? Take some big and some pop. You mix them up in a pot. Sprinkle a little big L on top. What the fuck do you got? You got the realest and illest killers tied up in a knot. The juggernauts of this rap shit. Like it or not. It's like a fight to the top to see who died for the spot. You put your life in this. Nothing like surviving a shot. Y'all know what time it is. Soon as 50 signs on this dot. Shit, what you know about death threats? Because I get a lot. Shady Records was 80 seconds away from the towers. Them cowards fucked with the wrong building. They meant to hit hours. Better to evacuate all children. It's nuclear showers. It's nothing spookier. You're now about to witness the power of fucking 50. Fucking flames, dog. Fucking flames. flames. And it was like they complimented each other perfectly on this, right? 50 wrapped in his style and wrapped in his style, and it fucking worked. I mean, (laughs) so when I talked about my favorite, actually, I think this might be my favorite song on the album. It's patiently waiting and then heat. Like, goodness gracious, man. And then there's tons of other quotables on here. You mentioned about Back Down. You mentioned that one from Heat. I actually had that one Heat listed as a possible quotable for me as well. But another one that I'll actually fit, this will be my last one, will actually be on Gotta Make It to Heaven. When he talks about some, when I come through the hood, I don't stop to rap to niggas, get close enough to smack you, then clap you, nigga. Pac tried the front, so I waved the chrome at his ass. Point blank ranch, I spat and threw a bone at his ass. Two weeks later, the niggas came through with Max to lay me down. They sprayed, I played dead, and got the fuck off the ground. Out of the blue, I got a phone call. 50, what up? They sent a bitch to me. I sent the bitch back. Cut up. <laughs> <laughs> damn my goodness man yo 
the bars on here, some of the bars on here aren't necessarily like, you know, lyrically intricate and everything with similes and metaphors, but some of the shit he spit on here. It hits. It hits, dog. And that's all you really need. You don't need a nigga with fucking multi-syllabic rhymes and shit, rhyming like Rock Camera Nas or something. Sometimes your words just need to have impact. And I think that's really where 50J, that's where he excelled. His words have an impact. Those bars hitting hard, like hitting you in your fucking chest. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. man, my goodness. I mean, that's what else can you say, man? Tons of quotables on this joint, man. I think the beats just set all them quotables up really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I know neither one was mentioned, but on 21 questions, like, oh, yeah, the whole thing. I love you like a fat kid, love cake. cake. That's just basically was yes, funny. Yes. And that became the <laughs> joint that niggas used afterwards over and over again. I love you like a fat kid, loves cake. Like, yo, that became a saying, like, seriously. Yeah, man, definitely. Final verdict. So we get into it, Jay. Final verdicts. You know, I mean, what do you say about 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying 20 years later? Is it a classic album? Is it a, an essential album? Is it a dope album? Just good or not that great? I'm going classic 10 out of 10. Yeah. Classic for me as well. 10 out of 10. You talk about a foundational album in the 2000s. This is one of the ones you go to. This album became the biggest album of that year. And I have no problem saying that, right? This is in a year that when the Black Album came out, this was still the biggest album of that year, right? And that's crazy. Thinking about this is Jay-Z we're talking about, and it was Jay-Z's retirement album. If anybody ever tries to tell you otherwise who was bigger than 50 in 2003, the answer to that is nobody. Nobody was bigger than this dude in 2003. And if you look at to see what happened after this, this became the catalyst that made 50 a huge star today that has pretty much made him a billionaire and has made it to the point now where 20 years after this, 50's not really even doing music anymore, you know? All he's right. doing pretty much is doing the TV stuff and entertainment and business, and he's still out there because he needs to get his brand out there. He's still online basically being a troll and being petty, as we know. That's what we know 54 nowadays. He's sort of a caricature of the guy that he was not himself, but everybody knows he worked hard, and if nothing else, what he is is focused, and he sort of showed everyone. What I think this proved more than anything, Jay, is that he wanted to prove to everybody that everybody who wrote him off and the label who dropped him after he got shot and left him for dead, this was really the comeback to CC. <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers thought I was dead. Like he even said on Many Men, now these pussy niggas putting money on my head going to get your refund, motherfucker, I ain't dead, you know? And I think that meant just not just the niggas who shot him, it also meant for the industry and the rappers and everybody else who deserted him afterwards, man. That's really what I thought it proved, is that... He was back and he became a force and he's still 20 years later. This album is an album that when you talk about the impact that it's had ever since then, you can't really. I mean, like I said, if you wasn't outside, you can't really understand. And so since then, Get Rich or Die Trying has been huge and 50 built an empire strictly off the back of that. But there we have it, boys and girls. 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, 20 years old exactly today. Make sure you go take a listen to it. Let us know what you think about it. Hit us up on social media, Twitter, IG, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube channel. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. We'd love to continue the conversation. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show. Check out our past episodes. Join our mailing list leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open 
for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.